Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of The Informed Catholic. We're going to do the readings for the uh, 17th Sunday of Ordinary Time on the liturgical calendar, and this is going to be episode 63 of The Informed Catholic. Um, My name is Ned Jabbar, and welcome to The Informed Catholic. So, um, before I begin... um, saw an interesting um, episode, or you can say a program, a documentary that was put out by, that's probably a correct term, the documentary by The Chosen. Um, It was a documentary that brought in uh, several young people, I think nine, uh, who are what you call the Generation Z. I guess this would be... The generation from around the, the mid nineties up to maybe now, uh, you know, and they were they didn't know anything about the chosen. Some of them had some experiences with uh, the Christian faith, uh, good, bad, maybe no experience at all, uh, you know. And um, a lot of them with uh, just the usual uh, baggage of life, Um, you know, nothing perfect, not a perfect family. Some come from a traditional uh, conservative family, uh, culturally conservative. Um, I guess you can say, I don't know, I would put it more culturally conservative than I would say um, maybe culturally conservative but not so much religious with some of them depending on their cultural background you know um, if they came from like myself um, I come from a Middle Eastern background uh, Arab um, you could say you know Asian, you know, in a sense, because Middle East is part of Asia, it's not part of the West. <coughs> Excuse me. And my father was Muslim. Um, on my father's part of the family, they're all Muslim. So, not what you call serious practicing Muslim. But, so that's why I would say culturally conservative. Culturally conservative. Uh, and you know, not religiously conservative because they were not all, not all of them. Um, my grandparents, maybe some of my cousins, I would say, you know, I don't, uh, they can vary, uh, you know, some are practicing Muslim, some are not. Um, and I would probably say the same thing about some of them because some of them did not, were not born into the Christian faith but were their parents converted much later to the Christian faith. Like one young lady, she came from Taiwan. Her family moved to um, Chicago, um, sorry, Texas, and they converted to the Christian faith while they were in Texas. And they, I think she might have moved to Taiwan again, I believe. And uh, another young lady is from Sri Lanka, her family. And um, yeah. And then there was um, a young, very attractive African-American woman, 
Imana, Imana, I think her name. I, I'm sorry if I got it wrong. And uh, she's from the North East Coast. I think her, uh, her mom joined a, um, a possibly non-denominational church in Jersey. I think it's a non-denominational. And not, she, didn't ha- she had a terrible experience. A very traumatic experience, this young woman. Um, she was sexually assaulted in the church um, by the other uh, young people. Possibly they were a little older than her. I, I couldn't get that part. But in the bathrooms of the church, she was sexually assaulted. And nobody did anything. Even one of the elders walked in and chose not to do anything. And her mom, um, her mom uses religion as a weapon to hurt people. So she's had, she's had a very negative experience with religion. It's understandable why she's very cautious and very hesitant about it. Uh, and others, um, it came from dysfunctional, uh, broken families. Another young man came from the South, from Carolina, and he, he is, he's had a, uh, what you call, his family joined a, a cult, a cult with a psychopathic pastor. Um, and there's a young African-American man named Adrian. Him, I remember his name a lot. And, you know, he came from, a difficult, a, a very difficult background, and he um, spent some time in a foster home on a farm. Um, he came from a small town, and uh, a small town where, you know, I guess you can say there weren't too many uh, African Americans, and he was he had a difficulty fitting in, which is understandable. Um, all of them. And then there was a young, another young man who, I believe his name is Jordan. Um, we really, there were some people I think held back, um, and they had every right to, to. They held back from letting themselves get too close, uh, or the cameras getting close. They had difficulty opening up. They they had a right to hold back some privacy about themselves. The other young lady. Um, uh, forgot her name. She's from Taiwan. She came out as queer. Uh, she came from obviously a conservative Asian background, and, came, and uh, she discovered in college that she uh, she described the word. She used the word queer, and she had difficulty uh, describing. I mean, she described herself as that, and she had difficult cultural cultural conservative problems uh, with her mom. And she opened up a little bit. She's from Brooklyn, um, a part of Brooklyn from here, somewhere around here, around the area um, of the borough of Brooklyn. And she had difficulty um, because of her of her sexuality, and as she described her um, her cultural situation with her mom. And so religion—that's the one when she uh, her parents converted to Christianity in. 
in Texas. And so there's a lot of things, a lot of these. And there's one young man that was Catholic. The young lady from Sri Lanka is Catholic. There were some who willingly opened up and some who uh, held back. They um, cautiously held back, which is understandable. It's a typical thing to do. Even I would find it to that to do that in front of camera. But it showed one of the things the chosen wanted to do was to crack the code of why the show worked so well with Generation Z. They haven't figured out the formula, and I think the formula is, I mean, the way I look at it is not to preach, but to tell the story. Not to tell to 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 tell the gospel. To preach the gospel through telling the story, and not try to beat them over the head, not to be judgmental and beat them over the head. Let them figure it out, because eventually the story is going to challenge them. That's the key. The story challenges them. Uh, when they, you know, when the gospel comes through it. Bits by bits, pieces by pieces, by naturally talking to them, which is something I think, um, for some reason, I think, you know, um, some churches have a difficulty because they're so culturally insulated in a sense that doctrinally they're insulated. And they, I think this this is unfortunately the development that I think a lot of pastors, to, uh, at, at, you know, and other Christians have. They come in, and they had this foolish, I think, um, difficulty of thinking that the minute the per, the per, you pray on the person, the person's going to convert. The minute you 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 put the gospel in front of that person, the person's going to convert. And that's not a real world thing. That's not even the real world thing that Jesus, Jesus himself would agree with. It, it you know convert some conversions take a long time, and some conversions. You know we don't know. It's up to God's time. A lot of the person, like with the Adrian, he he struggled because he'd searched. There was an encounter with Jonathan Rumi, the actor. There's a scene where. He admitted that the gospel gave him a different perspective about Christ. It gave, it challenged his view about who Jesus is. And he admits that he searched, you know, he grew up not believing in anything, but that doesn't mean that you're an atheist. Not believing in anything does not mean you're an atheist at all. Atheism, no one is born an atheist. But yes, it's true that no one is born a Christian, but you could be born into a Christian family. And yet, you could be born to a family with no religion. It doesn't necessarily mean you're an atheist. It just means you you weren't brought up. A lot of people naturally will gravitate when they find something that gives them that that reflects their values. I mean, everyone has some form of values. We discover them as we grow up. Well, with Adrian, he himself, a troubled young man who went through a lot of a lot of things. I mean, he got into trouble with the law. He got in trouble uh, with, you know, friends. He used to steal. You know, he searched Egyptian culture. He searched Buddhism. And he's always thinking, God bless, blessings, stuff, stuff like that. And Jonathan Rumi challenged him. Well, why won't you just say, you know, the gods bless. And 
he he stopped the young man. The young man stopped and like in his track and realized. I mean, he 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 said, I mean, I'm, I I struggle with that, with what you know, between God bless and blessings of God's, or is it because it's the one versus the many? And you know, he admitted it. And Jonathan Rumi told him, you know, that thing in you, that I know that inside of you that you struggle with. That's him. That's Christ struggling. You know, getting to know you. That 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 feeling you get. And and that stopped him in his track. That made him think because when we struggle about things internally, that's that's the consciousness of Christ. That's the presence of Christ in us. That's basically struggling to to guide us, to guide us in the direction to know him internally, mentally, spiritually, we're, we're growing in him. And it was, it was an interesting challenge. It was an interesting challenge. I thought, you know, you should check it out. Go to the chosen app. You can even go on YouTube to the chosen uh, page. And there's an episode. You have to skip through the, um, the part with John, uh, Dallas Jenkins and, you know, he has to make money. So he has to present new products to you, but you can even go to the chosen app itself on your smart TV. And you'll, you know, again, you'll get to that part. We're talking about, you know, the generation Z, the young people. It's a very good documentary because it gives you an idea of how to talk to people, how to talk to young people about Christ without making them feel uncomfortable. Cause that's the only thing you got to remember They've been made to feel that religion is something to run away from and to make them feel uncomfortable. And a lot of them are not made, you know, they're not, they're not able to, to know how to talk about religion because the colleges have made it very uncomfortable. Society has made it, and other Christians have made it uncomfortable, unfortunately. You know, and you shouldn't make them uncomfortable. You've got to make them open-minded, you know, it's true. All right, let's move on to our uh, readings. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words and what I have done and what I have failed to do. Through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask, Blessed Mary, ever virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Kiri elision, kiri elision, kiri elision, Christe elision, Christe elision, Christe elision, kiri elision, kiri elision, kiri elision. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to people of goodwill. We praise you, we bless you, we adore you, we glorify you, we give you thanks for your great glory. Lord God, Heavenly King, O God, Almighty Father, Lord Jesus Christ, Only Begotten Son, Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, you take away the sins of the world. 
Have mercy on us. You take away the sins of the world. Receive our prayer. You are seated at the right hand of the Father. Have mercy on us. For you alone are the Holy One. You alone are the Lord. You alone are the Most High. Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, in the glory of God the Father. Amen. 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 All right. So this is the liturgical cycle, the third liturgical cycle, which we call Year C. And um, the reading is from the book of Genesis, chapter 18, verse 20 to 32. Let, let not my Lord grow angry if I speak. A reading from the book of Genesis. In those days, the Lord said, the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great and their sin is so grave that I may go down and see whether or not their actions are fully, cor fully correspond to the cry against them that comes to me. I mean to find out. While Abraham's visitors walked on further towards Sodom, the Lord remained standing before Abraham. Then Abraham drew nearer and said, Will you sweep away the innocent with the guilty? Suppose there were 50 innocent people in the city. Would you wipe out the place rather than spare it for the sake of the 50 innocent people within it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to make the innocent die with the guilty, so that the innocent and the guilty would be treated alike. Should not the judge of the world act with justice? The Lord replied, If I find fifty innocent people in the city of Sodom, I will spare the whole place for, for their sake. Abraham spoke again. See how I am presuming to speak to my Lord, though I am but dust and ashes. What if there are five less than fifty innocent people? Will you destroy the whole city because of those five? He answered, I will not destroy it if I find forty-five there. But Abraham persisted, saying, What if only forty are found there? He replied, I will forbear doing it for the sake of the forty. Then Abraham said, Let not my Lord grow impatient if I go on. What if only thirty are found there? He replied, I will forbear doing it if I can find but only thirty there. Still Abraham went on, Since I have this thus dared to speak to my Lord, what if there are no more than twenty? The Lord answered, I will not destroy it for the sake of the twenty. But he still persisted. Please let not my Lord grow angry. If I speak up this last time, what if there are at least ten there? He replied, for the sake of those ten, I will not destroy it. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Psalm 138 
The Lord, on the day I called for help, you answered me. Lord, on the day I called for help, you answered me. Lord, on the day I called for help, you answered me. I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart, for you have heard the words of my mouth. In the presence of the angels, I will sing your praise. I will worship at your holy temple and give thanks to your name. Lord, on the day I called for help, you answered me. Lord, on the day I called for help, you answered me. Because of your kindness and your truth, for you have made great above all things, your name and your promise, when I called, you answered me. You built up strength within me. Lord, on the day I called for help, you answered me. Lord, on the day I called for help, you answered me. The Lord is exalted, yet the lowly he sees, and the proud he knows from afar. Though I walk amid distress, you preserve me. Against the anger of my enemies, you raise your hand. Lord, on the day I called for help, you answered me. Lord, on the day I called for help, you answered me. Your right hand saves me. The Lord will complete what he has done for me. Your kindness, O Lord, endures forever. Forsake not the work of your hands. Lord, on the day I called for help, you answered me. Lord, on the day I called for help, you answered me. So, um, as usual, the Psalms, the whole purpose of the Psalms is to teach us to pray. That's why the Psalms are called the prayer book of the church. They, they were officially also the prayer book of Israel. They're still, they still are the prayer book of the Jewish people. The Psalms, basically, the whole purpose of them is to give us the words we need to talk to God. And they get, they're, they're the launching pad. Really, the whole Bible is the launching pad to teach us how to how to look how to get closer to God, and we do that through prayer, through prayer. Uh, when you use the Psalms, the Psalms basically train you to use your own words. Eventually, uh, you could start with the Psalms, and then you move into your own personal words between you and God. That is the whole purpose of it. That 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 is the whole purpose of it. And sometimes, when we can't come up with the right words, basically. The Psalms are there to help us. Basically, we can use the Psalms to express ourselves through the very inspired word that they are to speak to God. But eventually, it will teach you to open up to him. You know, open up to him. Be intimate with him. Even in a contemplative way, which is just silence, just between you and him, just silence. Just your heart your mind, your soul, the very depth of your being, just silence. And it could be just silent prayer, prayer with no words, just an open heart. That's all it is. Okay, let's move on. All right. Second reading uh, is a reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Colossians, chapter 2, verse 12 to 14. 
God has brought you to life along with Christ, having forgiven us all our transgressions. You were buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the power of God, who raised him from the dead. And even when you were dead in transgressions, and the uncircumcision of your flesh. He brought you to life along with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, obliterating the bond against us with its legal claims, which was opposed to us. He also removed it from our midst, nailing it to the cross. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay, one more time. This is a reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Colossians, chapter 2, verse 12 to 14. God has brought you to life along with Christ, having forgiven us all our transgressions. All right. You were buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the power of God, who raised him from the dead. That's the first complete sentence right there. Second sentence, and even when you were dead in transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he brought you to life along with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, obliterating the bond against us with its legal claims, which was opposed to us. He also removed it from our midst, nailing it to the cross. The word of the Lord, thanks be to God. I think the first part is a good a good way to start. We were buried with him in baptism. So when we are baptized, regardless if we're baptized as adults, regardless if we're baptized as children, this baptism doesn't doesn't make it any less powerful if we were as a child. It doesn't, you know, and it's not less or more powerful than that of a, a person who gets baptized as an adult entering the Christian faith. The important thing is, is the power of this baptism, regardless from you, you being an infant, just maybe a month old or two months old, regardless, or a 15-year-old kid who converts or a 22-year-old young adult who converts or a 45 year old or a 50 year old it doesn't matter whether you even as in your 80s the important thing is is that the act of baptism unites and bonds it binds us with Christ it ties us to him uh sows us to him he we are one with him we're bound to him spiritually and supernaturally and we he takes us into the plunges us in the waters pretty much i would say it's like that's why that baptism in the jordan by john the baptist is the universal cosmic baptism for all those who unite and bind themselves to christ and that what that's what makes this that's why it makes baptism so important.
because we're all united and bound to him spiritually, supernaturally, psychologically, emotionally, you know, physically, yes, but in a cosmic, supernatural way. That's why the church always says one baptism. One baptism is all you need. It doesn't matter even if it's a a non-believer who steps in and says, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Or a fellow Christian does it, or a lay person, or your grandmother, or your 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 aunt, or your in-law that you don't like, or whatever, or your cousin. It doesn't matter. Everyone can baptize. And the baptism that here, what Paul's talking about, it we were raised, we raised with him. You see, when we go into baptism, we join Jesus in his passion in, in, in Gethsemane. We join him in his passion in Gethsemane. We journey with Jesus through the three years of, of ministry. We journey with him. We are bound with him. Every time when you read the Gospels, you are bound with him. And, you know, if you're a baptized Christian, and even though there's baptism of desire, because God is not limited just to, to actually physical baptism, although physical baptism is beneficial. But if someone is reading the gospel somewhere on this earth, in a place where conversion is a death sentence, well, the baptism, the the, the baptism of desire, the Holy Spirit can remember, like those Romans. In the Acts of the Apostles, they got flooded with with the Holy Spirit, and they were before they were baptized, and it's called and it's called the baptism of desire. Also, it's about it's the will of God who decides to save that individual. That's important. It's important that people know this. All right, let's. Yeah, the, you, if you are called to Christ, nothing is going to get in 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 a way between you and receiving Christ as your savior. Baptism is fine if you have that opportunity and ha and the church and the church offers it, offers it to you, great. But at the same time, we are bound to Christ and we are going to be we are his. If he intends for us to be his, we are his. There's nothing, no, nothing will get in that way in that relationship. Nothing. All right, let's move on. All right. The Alleluia is taken from Romans chapter 8, verse 15. Alleluia, Alleluia. You, will receive, you have received a spirit of adoption through which we cry, Abba, Father. Alleluia, Alleluia. Ask and you will receive. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 11, verse 1 to 13. Jesus was praying in a certain place when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone in debt to us and do not subject us to the final test. And he said to them, 
suppose one of you has a friend to whom he goes at midnight and say, Friend, let me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has arrived at my house from a journey, and I have nothing to offer him. And he says in reply from within, Do not bother me. The door has already been locked, and my children and I are already in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, if he does not get up to give the visitor the lobes because of their friendship, he will get up and give him whatever he needs because of his persistence. And I tell you, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. What father among you would hand his son a snake when he asks for a fish, or hand him a scorpion when he asks for an egg? If you then, who are wicked and know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will you will the heavenly Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So, interesting, uh, the first part, the Genesis part. Now, it's besides what you call, it's not mentioning the encounter with Lot and the, the, uh, the beings, uh, the, two, the two angelic beings. It's actually what it's talking about here is, if we read it carefully, Abraham is asking God, look, I, I mean, I'm using my, my own paraphrasal language. Okay, God is saying, that city, those two cities, Sodom and Gomorrah, which was like twin cities, their evil, their wickedness, their is constantly crying out to me for justice. There's great evil in that in that city, in those two cities. Now, it's not that he doesn't know. What what the important part here we have to understand is that not, it's not that God said, I'm gonna go down there to find out myself, as though he has to leave his ivory tower, his throne, his comforts in the heavens and in infinity to come down like he doesn't know. He knows precisely if he's God, he knows precisely what he's setting up here. He's setting up an example for us to learn from this encounter he has with Abraham. He wants holy people to know that the well-being of any town, city, civilization and the conscience comes from the presence of those holy people, the Christians or the Jews, you could say, the believers of God. They are dependent on the presence of saints. The, the, the well-being of, it's like the well-being of, it's like we're, we're, we're the immune system. That's the best way I could put it. You know, like we're the immune system. 
and I guess you can say to some cases, we're the answer to the virus of sin. We're the vaccine. We're the conscience of that, of, of that city, of that community. As much as they don't want to be holy, they persist to do evil. They persist to harm and, 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 and destroy the innocent. We, we're the answer. The holy people are the answer. Okay? Good, good conscious people. You could also say that. I mean, yeah, a non-practicing Christian or a person who doesn't practice any religion, but in their heart, they, they have a, they persist to do good and not evil. You know that passage, I wish I could remember it. Woe unto those who say, you know, who say evil is, uh, evil is good and good is evil. No, no. They are dependent on fellow Christians. They are defended, they're dependent on holy people, holy people. You could even say, yes, you know, the, 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 the non-practicing individual, even the Muslim, because they don't, they, they avoid sin. They know they have a concept of sin. They have a concept of good and evil. And their religion is inspired out of Judaism and Christianity, but they don't go and, and do these horrible, horrible things such as transgenderism and indoctrination, grooming. I'm going to use the word grooming young people to become perverted. It's a new cult, but nobody wants it. No God fearing person wants this kind of crap. Yet we are, we are. Their, their, their life support. Because let's face it, at this point, they're practically, our culture is practically on hospice. That's, that's, that's the whole point with Abraham. That's the whole point of, uh, of this, of this particular event. And Abraham keeps praying. What if you find only 50? What if you only find 45? What if you only find 40? What if you only find 35? What if you only find 30? It keeps going down and down and down. But that's the whole persistence. You know, the, the, the holy, the, 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 the immune system is got, is good, holy people. God fearing people are the immune system. Anyway, let's move on to the next passage. As I said earlier, the Psalm, the Psalm, Psalms teach us to pray. They teach us to give us the words when we can't find the words. And they, they're, they're pretty much like training wheels for us. But in as many cases, even when you don't have the words, you could use the Psalms. It's, it's, the, it's the prayer book of, of Israel and the church. And we all need it. And we should, we should be able to pray. We should know how to pray. And you don't have to be an expert. There's no expert here. Prayer is something that is important to the soul. And this is something we need. So, you know, we need prayer. And moving on there to Colossians, Paul makes it quite clear, like I said um, previously, that we are united to him mystically through baptism. And we w walk with him. He, you know, we can walk with him. We can go through all the different con um all the different things that are important to the Christian faith, such as united with Christ through baptism, we are united and bound to him. 
in Christ we are we are baptized and we are buried, and in uh, in, you know in on the level other level baptism unites us so much to Him that we die with Him on the cross and we rise with Him again. We need this. We need this. Amen. And then here we get to Luke. <laughs> the apostles are asking to teach us how to pray, but Jesus tells them the persistence of prayer, the persistence of knocking on the door and having that faith. He wants us to know it's real. This is what Jesus is, wants them to know. Prayer is real. Prayer is real. It's not made up. It's not set up. It's not a set. It's real. It's real. It's real relationship with God and a real necessary desire. We need to have this desire, this itch to really believe that our prayers will be answered, that God does care about us. That's what Jesus is saying here. Persistence, persistence, so much persistence that you get what you want. You become annoying like on earth. You become annoying to some people, but you do get it. You do need persistence and a hunger, a deep hunger to get closer to God. That's what people need. You need to develop a real, real close desire. And that's the whole purpose of it. That's the whole reason why prayer is important. All right. Let's move on to the closing. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory now and forever. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord God is with you. Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now at the hour of our death. Amen. O oh, my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell, lead all souls to heaven, especially those who most need of thy mercy. Amen. St. Michael, Archangel of God, defend us in the day of battle. Be our protection against the wild, wicked attack of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And now, O oh, Prince to the heavenly hosts, by the divine power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who prowl the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, born of the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, consubstantial with the Father. Through him all things were through him, through him all things were made. And for us men and for our salvation, he came down from heaven and by the power of the Holy Spirit was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried and rose again on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. I believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. I confess one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, and I look forward to the resurrection of the dead and life of the world to come. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.